0: Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 615 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are on the Ron and Don Radio Network. And once again, there's Ron Upshaw, Don O'Neill, Charlie the Dog. Uh, we're live in the Lush Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about some young households that are actually giving up on home ownership. Maybe in some cases you should. Yeah, but if you don't want to, I'll tell you what to do. Also, uh, let's talk about a boy who suffered for three years. Let's see, 17 doctors, and then guess what? His suffering was over because AI actually figured out what seventeen doctors could not. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this: the tiny house movement. Yeah, every time I used to turn on my Instagram or my Facebook, I saw tiny houses everywhere. In fact, when I was just down in Arizona doing some slot canyon climbing and rappelling, I saw tiny houses, tiny cabins, tiny stage coaches, tiny teepees. Tiny everything was everywhere, and uh, you can rent those out in the middle of the desert. Uh, A lot of people are doing that in Joshua Tree as well. I'm sitting uh, next to a guy, though, that's part of the tiny house movement. And, Ron, uh, we just got done reading an article that said whatever happened to the tiny house movement? And usually movements move. So is it move backwards, forwards, kind of? changed disenfranchised what's going on with the tiny house uh,
1: this is uh, of course i've been fascinated with this for a long time and as you said i, I currently own a tiny house um uh, it's interesting to me on whatever happened to it i think it depends on on what you were trying to get out of it so i think there was one type of uh, person that didn't understand some of the technicalities of this and what do i mean by that well if you bought the one that you would see On Instagram or on like the tiny house shows on Netflix, you weren't actually buying a house you were buying a, a mobile home. You're buying a trailer with a house sitting on top of it. And so what what does that mean? Well, it's you can't get a, a home loan on that. And if you don't own a piece of land, you basically bought an RV. And so I think a lot of people, because the name had changed from recreational vehicle to tiny house, they thought they were buying a house. And if nobody educated them on the fact that they weren't buying a house, I think many of those people got disenfranchised because they're like, wow, now I got to buy a truck to pull this thing around. And now I'm paying rent on a place to put this tiny house. And it was the dream was I could spend 50 to a hundred thousand dollars and be a homeowner and be debt free. And really that wasn't what they got. And so I think there was a category of people that, um, had a sour taste in their mouth to try to dip their toe in that. Then you have a second group of people um, that did know what was going on, and they did. Uh, they were accustomed to RV lifestyle, and they just wanted a better build quality. I think those people are thrilled with it, and you can see them around America in campgrounds and in, in different spots in the world where they've been able to figure that out, and that's what they wanted, and that's what they got. And then there's people like me that decided to buy a trailer and then and a piece of land and the thing doesn't move so i have a tiny house on wheels that is permanently parked or semi-permanently parked i theoretically could uh detach some of the plumbing and some of the septic stuff and drive it away but my intention is is to have this thing on my land so i bought a piece of land first Then I bought the tiny house second. I installed the tiny house on my land, and it's been there ever since. And so um, in that scenario, it really is similar to a, a house. A house that's not on a foundation, a house that sits on a trailer.
0: And let's be honest, I never get invited there, but my son does, because my son is kind of a tiny person. Ron only invites people that are five foot five and under to your tiny house, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway.
1: What what do you think for someone that's not a tiny house owner, how you see the movement or lack thereof?
0: Well, I think it's different when you're gonna live there full time. Like could you live live in that trailer full time?
1: It would. I mean, you could. No, uh, could you? Could you? Uh, it,
0: I think that's what happened. Probably. Like, if push comes to shove, a lo- I, I could. think a lot of people love the minimalist thing. They're watching the min- minimalist thing on TV, and they said, "I'm going to do that." And then they started because, cause anytime you put anything about your tiny house online, people go crazy for it. Like there's, a, there's a real thirst for it and they find it to be very interesting. Everybody does. And, the, and, and, and so I think people have dreams of being a minimalist living in these homes. People try to do it with kids. They try to launch a television show and all kinds of different things. And then you just find out that you, you see this when you travel, like, Americans, we just, we kind of need our space. And and a lot of times when you're in other cultures, people stand a lot closer to each other and they speak a lot closer and they're a lot more intimate and not us, man, we need three to five feet with the person that, that we're chatting with. And I think it's the same thing in a, in, in a tiny house. I, I, you know, my mom was staying here for a while with, with Charlie, the dog and my son. And as big as the house is, I was really glad that we had multiple floors, multiple bathrooms, multiple showers, uh Because growing up, I actually grew up in track housing in kind of a tiny house, and I lived in a room that had a bunk bed with my brother. My cousins had bunk beds and a single bed. There were three brothers living in the same room and in, in kind of a tiny house in Gertie, Illinois too tiny man it's just too tiny yeah once you you get used to space you want you want that space and it's okay to go visit a tiny house and have a little camping trip or doing whatever but to do that full time is 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 very very tough
1: yeah i agree with you i don't think i've ever spent more than in one continuous stretch maybe four days like so, it's, it hasn't been a thing where I'll, I'll go up there for a month yeah. and, and not come home. Uh, so yeah, you're right. That is, so, I, but I knew that. I knew that going in of what my goal was, and you know, I've made improvements on the land that made that price increase. I've made improvements on the tiny house to to make it more valuable than when I bought it. So I've built a place that for me ticked the boxes. It's a it's a second piece of property. It's in, I've increased I've forced appreciation and increasing in value, and I get to utilize it when I want to break from the city and, and go up there because I enjoy nature. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy making a campfire. I enjoy being by the river. Uh, all of those things I enjoy. I enjoy going skiing. So it's by a ski area. It has all. It ticks all the boxes for me. Uh, but if I have, have was married with three kids, it would be tight.
0: Yeah, and you you and you see investors, especially during COVID, they went out and they started developing a lot of these tiny house locations. So where I was earlier in the year in St. George, uh, the, w- the weather was like it is in Seattle today, in the 70s, 80s. It got up to 90. I think one day we were out in the slot canyons. But but you saw that a lot of these tiny homes and tiny teepees and tiny stagecoaches and all that that are just basically campsites with these, with these tiny homes on wheels that are, that have themes to them. You see them set up in, in the middle of the desert. And again, they d- did that during COVID. They did very well during COVID. They're struggling right now. And, and if you went and visited any of those tiny homes at this point where it's 110, 115 degrees in some of those same places, those, th- those places are just sitting vacant where during COVID, they didn't because people didn't have other, other places to go. So I, I, I think you saw investors jump on this. I think they built too many of them. And when people talk about, hey, you know, the vacation rental market is stagnant or the vacation rental market isn't working right now, that kind of vacation rental market, like my vacation rentals are working great. Those particular vacation rentals, though, those are suffering, uh, one, because they launched during COVID, two, they made too many of them. And number three, it is hot as hell right now in most areas of the country. If you're not in Seattle, Washington. So we will see you on the other side of this. You guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Dawn here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer, but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever this is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. How yeah, you
1: right that? now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com Or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location, tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952.
0: Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage we refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0. That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors, unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete, and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down.
1: Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute zoom call free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly ron at ronanddon.com or you can go to the website ronanddonsitdown.com.
0: All right, you guys, welcome back to to the Ron and Don Show. We're hearing a lot of people talk about AI. They're talking about when we go to war, we see a lot of things happening in Ukraine right now that we didn't see in the Gulf Wars, right? Uh, You learn a lot of things in war. You learn to not send uh, canvas-covered Jeeps uh, over to the Middle East because of something called an IED, which they started building in Ireland decades ago. And then those same bomb builders... Were hired by Al Qaeda to help them learn how to build IEDs to blow up Americans. So you look now at the rigs that we send overseas, and they're fully armored and they're fully up armored. Uh, you also see new vehicles like Buffaloes that are eight hundred thousand to a million dollars, and those can absorb an IED. Or you look at some of the new Striker. Uh, Vehicles that we use where you can transport 10 troops. Some of those striker troops, uh, carriers we have sent to the front lines in Ukraine right now. Uh, And that's what's helping them stay alive on the battlefield are those striker vehicles. We wouldn't have known that if we hadn't gone to war in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. You think about aviation and what we have learned about helicopters and those big jolly green giants that we used to fly. Then you look at modern aviation today. A lot of that had to do uh, with what happened in the Vietnam War, the Korean War. You look at aircraft carriers today. You look at... (laughs) A aircraft carrier that has cost billions of dollars, the Gerald Ford, that is finally uh, uh, out on the seas after I don't know. I think it's I think it's been in mothballs. They've been working on this thing for the past fifteen years. So anyway, war has helped us to move forward to understand things. We're seeing that now with technology, AI, and drones. Uh, we're learning. And Russia's learning. China's learning. Everyone's learning. And, and and again, a lot of times we hear AI, we hear about war or we hear about AI, we should fear this, it's come to take our jobs. But at the same time, I think in the medical community, the medical community, they're excited about AI. In fact, there's a story about a young boy who had been to see 17, he's seen 17 different doctors. He's been suffering for three years. And Ron, it was AI that finally stepped in and figured this thing out, right? Yeah,
1: this is exciting and a little terrifying at the same time. Uh, As you said, went to 17 different doctors. Here's the blind spot of the medical profession is it's specialized, so there are, if you have a foot problem, you go to the foot doctor. If you have an eye problem, you go to the eye doctor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If you have a heart problem, you go to the heart doctor. And so with this kid... He would get a symptom uh in his mouth, and he would go to the dentist. And so the dentist would pers- look at the, the symptoms, prescribe something uh, in dentistry, and he would get a little bit of relief. Then he would have a, a different problem, and he would go to that doctor, et etc. et cetera. There was no one that they went to that was tying all these things together. Um, of course, I had a similar thing, and I finally went to a rheumatologist, which is kind of what they do is try to connect all the dots. Um, and so in this case, it took them a while. It's like, how do we connect all these dots? And so what this mom did is fed all of the symptomology, all of the things and, and treatments from all the 17 different doctors, then AI tried to fill in the gap. And so in this case, it was successful. They said, what about this diagnosis that no one had brought up before? She then got, saw a keyword, went to Facebook, joined that group, saw met other families that had similar diagnoses, and then able to get her her son properly diagnosed. The danger is, is if people try to do this on their own, because is the large language model, which is what AI does right now, uh, it will try to close any gaps, and so we've seen this. The danger of this with propaganda is if you say to AI, "Hey, I need you to write a write a ten thousand word essay that's anti-vax that includes." six different studies in it that prove that it's bad. If those studies don't exist, AI will invent those studies. Because it wants to fill in the criteria of what you said. So if you are not a doctor and you say, here's a list of 17 symptoms, fill in the gap of what it is, it will try to fill in that gap and invent something that may not be there. So used as a tool by medical doctors to say, huh, I didn't think of that diagnosis. Let's confirm. Let's use this as a tool, just like any other medical tool to confirm this diagnosis. That's a great thing. If it's, if you're out there and you're being home doctor person, Where you're like, oh my God, I've got cancer. When you don't have cancer, if you're a hypochondriac or you're someone that wants to jump to a conclusion, this could be very devastating because you can get people that feed stuff into AI, get a misdiagnosis and do not confirm it, and now they've run down a rabbit hole of despair uh, based on something that a computer invented on your behalf. So I think if you use it just as a tool and recognize its limitations in the medical field, it can sort of be a very inexpensive rheumatologist, but you still then need to go to a rheumatologist to get confirmed that what you think you might have is actually true and that there can be a, a treatment for that.
0: Yeah, more on the other side.
1: It's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch, take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.loans.
0: All right, you guys. Welcome back to the Ron and Show. Before we get out of here, uh, we just read a story that said that uh, there are some people now that are just giving up on home ownership. And I have to say, for some people... Maybe you should. But before we get to that, let's get to Ron. Ron, what say you about young people giving up on home ownership?
1: Uh, I think that it makes sense. Um, if you look at the the, the the metric that was used for time immemorial was like a percentage of your income could be what you could afford so in other words you shouldn't spend more than 30 percent of your take-home pay on your mortgage that was uh, sometimes it started out as low as 25 percent because you still have all your utilities you have food you got a car gasoline etc you still want to have some disposable money left over so that was the 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 standard in america for maybe our grandparents and then our parents and then as we moved into more the last 30 years or so that number started to creep up. So it went from 25% to 30% to 35%. And now you'll have some people where it can be upwards of 50%, half of your income is going towards housing, and they still can't afford a mortgage. And so when you're in any major metropolitan area, uh, and you are on the, on the rise, you got your first career job, you're making good money uh, as a college graduate, and you look at it and go, well, wow, it would be 60 70% of my income would go towards a mortgage, it's just unaffordable. And yet, apartments sometimes can be 50% of your income. So you're in a real quandary there. It's a real catch-22, because you you have a place you want to live. The housing stock in that place is very low, and so that drives prices up. What do you do? And so there are options that we saw, especially during COVID. Well, you can move to a different part of the country that has cheaper real estate. Uh, you can move back in with your parents and try to save enough money so that you can afford that because as your down payment increases, your monthly payment decreases. Uh, and so the people have been trying to navigate this Catch-22, with maybe getting a gift from family members, maybe getting into a, a government program that helps and assists you to buy a piece of real estate, or you give up on that dream and say maybe this isn't for me and uh, it's tough right now it's very tough uh, because we don't have a time machine where you can go back in time and go well I should have bought in 1990 Uh, especially if you're a young person in some places it's just too expensive to live in a Seattle, San Francisco, Honolulu, New York like a major metropolitan city even Denver and Austin now you've been priced out because the income that you can make in that city uh it just gobbles up too much of your take-home pay to actually get into it
0: yeah and i think calling homes single family homes is is a is a big disservice and the reason it's a big disservice is because sometimes then people just okay i'm gonna go in and i have to tackle this and i have to take this home down by myself and if I don't have a partner, like for me, I don't have a partner. So any kind of real estate that I do, and I and I mean a romantic partner in my life, I either have to do myself or, or I have other partners. So I know a young lady that was looking to buy a single family home and couldn't do it, and she's a single mom. And I said, well, why don't you find two friends that are in the same situation that you are in and then use the leverage. Now, now, now you have three people that have W2 jobs, not one. You have three people that have W2 jobs, go out and buy a fourplex. You're going to live in one of the doors. Your other friends are going to live behind one of those doors. And then that fourth door is, is gonna be a door that you guys are gonna rent out and you're gonna share that income and you're gonna use that income to do whatever you wanna do with it. Maybe you're gonna take some of that income, put it in your pocket and raise your kids. Maybe you're gonna take some of that income, go on vacation. Maybe you're gonna take that income and reinvest that in that property and improve the property. Then what you're gonna do, the three of you, is you're gonna continue to pay this property down until one day you have a chunk of money that you can pull out of this property, and then you could turn around as investors and you could go buy a second property. Now you've put yourself in a position too where if you wanted to go and take down a single family home and live on that property all by yourself, you could do that. So I think sometimes in life what we have to do is take a step back, look at things differently, Ask ourselves, who are people in my life that I trust? A lot of times people say, I don't do business with family members or friends. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. Of course you do business with family members or friends. You just make sure that you have things that are written down. You go see an attorney and it's like, hey, let's say I get with two of my girlfriends. I'm I'm, I'm a single woman in Seattle. And I want to buy a a million-dollar property. I can't do it. So I'm going to go to two of my friends. We're going to do this together. And maybe you create an LLC, and you go out, and you buy this property together. You want to make sure that you have an exit strategy for that property. Because one day, some one of the members says, hey, I want to move. I want to sell. I need my money. I met someone. We're getting married. and And so... You decide ahead of time, well, when one sells, we all want to sell. Or when one sells, the other two have the first right of refusal. They have the first option to buy them. Whatever that is. You, you, you sit down with an attorney, you look down the road, and then that way you make sure with friends and family, there's no hard feelings. That's typically what happens with friends and family is there, there, there's hard feelings because you didn't write things down. So I would just encourage people. Yeah. You know what? If I lived in Libertyville, Illinois, where I have a lot of uh, friends and family there, I may not buy a home there because home, home values are going in the completely the wrong direction. So it depends on the area of the country that you're in. But if you're living somewhere and you look at Seattle, just in the past 10 years, we've grown over 300,000 people in the metro area. We've gone from 3.7 to 4 million people. You look at the growth charts for 2030, 2040 and 2050, we're just going to continue to grow. So the the pressure on real estate here is going to continue. If you're waiting for that million dollar house to wake up one day and it's 500 grand, that's never going to happen again. So look around. What kind of leverage do you have? If you know that your parents are going to give you money after they pass, do you know do, do you know financially in a lot of cases it's better for them tax-wise and better for you for them to give you that money now in the form of a gift and a lot of times people people don't know that and if a family member gives you a gift in a real estate, a real estate transaction you have to disclose that but you, but you can use that gift so make, so make sure that you're having that conversation so as far as giving up on on buying a single family home yeah maybe give up on it all by yourself But I own multiple properties with multiple partners, and there's nothing wrong with having a partner, right?
1: Yeah, it's very wise. I even have a friend that did that where they didn't have separate units. They lived in the house together. They were just friends. They were a man and a woman. They were female, uh, male friends, platonic. They bought the house together, and both of them after that, once they sold that house, they lived in it for five years, I think, sold that house. It was in Free Wallingford, and then each of them could afford to go buy their own house. Yep. So they were just uh, longtime friends. They bought it together. They wrote it down. They fixed it up. And when they sold, they're still friends to this day. There's no bad blood, but they each made six figures uh, on that house.
0: Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine the other day. It's a firefighter, and they said, I can't can't afford to buy a house on my own. And I said, well, you know what? You can't afford. You have a lot of time. Firefighters a lot of times are great investors because they get big chunks of time where they're off, and then they can use that time to add value to the property. I said, why don't you find another firefighter or two in the firehouse that want to own a property together and then come back and see me and we'll do a sit down together. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now you have the leverage of three paychecks. You have the leverage of three people working together on their days off to, to make a property a better property. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And that home doesn't even have to be your primary. Maybe you stay somewhere, you continue to rent and you're like, let's go buy a a multi-family. Let's call Mitch.loans and, and let's become investors. So if you need help with that, just reach out, run it on sitdown.com and we can figure out a path forward today. Because if you're young in your twenties and thirties and a lot of you that listen to this, you have kids that are, you think about, you think about the time, time is the biggest lever for them. Time is such a big, big lever. You you, you buy a home now, you continue to invest in a Roth IRA at a very young age, and they're going to be multimillionaires when they get older. They'll get rich. They'll garner wealth very slowly and then as they get older they won't become a burden on anyone else to be able to travel and do all the cool things that they ever wanted to do because at the end of the day wealth is for me is not about driving a maserati it's just about freedom about not being a burden to my son or anyone else their society as i get older being able to take care of myself also being able to take care of others through philanthropy and take care of my family with uh with gunner and charlie as well all right so if you need us uh, just reach out we do a sit down today if you need a buyer's playbook or a seller's playbook we're Just reach out. It's about a 20-minute read. Sit down. uh, We'll send it to you, and then we'll do a sit-down after that. All right, ronanddonsitdown.com. For Ron and myself, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, every Friday, if you're interested... In real estate, every Friday, we, we drop a real estate-only edition of the Rod and Don Show. And coming up this Friday, we're going to be talking about what? We're going to be talking about for people out there that want to invest in a home, and there's a brand new product that Mitch has that I think people are going to be excited about.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a new program where you can buy an investment property. And for the first time that I'm aware of, they they sort of uh, look at the property cash flow, and they consider that in the loan approval. Uh, Mitch will explain more of how that's going to work. Friday's Real Estate Only Show. Check us out at com, or you can email me directly at ron at com to do that sit-down Zoom call. Yeah,
0: head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
1: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! Only. Only! Only. Only! only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.